Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hi, hi. So exciting news. We're getting some, what do we call it? Advertising, not, right? Not products. Not products. <laughs> uh, but we are going to get some advertising. And in order to help us out, it would be awesome if you could click the link uh, in the description of this episode. Fill out a little survey so we know what, we, so we know what you want. Uh, so the advertisements uh, can actually be worthwhile and not drive you completely insane. And the information is confidential. We don't take emails or names or anything. You're not going to get on any kind of weird list or anything like that. Yeah. It just helps us out. Awesome. Thank you all so much. Hail yourselves and enjoy this episode. This episode of Top Hat is brought to you by MacWeldon.com. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. <laughs> it's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. I never liked the milk cotton. <laughs> I never did. The way, you know, after it would, just, it would get all weird at the end? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I drink orange juice out of a carton today. I'm, I'm well aware. Really? Yeah. I didn't know they made orange juice in cartons. Yeah. Really? Tropicana. Huh? Okay. Welcome to the show, everyone. <laughs> I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Oh, uh, yes. The listeners getting let in on the scintillating conversation me and Ben have every day. What did they talk about off air? I don't like milk cartons. <laughs> I had uh, orange juice in a milk carton today. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah! Moving on to our conversation on flax. <laughs> <laughs> we are slowly becoming just two old men who... This is gonna... We're gonna end up like David Crosby on Twitter, <laughs> who is my favorite Twitter. By the way, you gotta follow David Crosby on Twitter. He is so mean. Marcus is... Marcus is a... Uh, not a favorite band, but you like you a, like this band, a, Brian Jonestown Massacre. I'm a fan of the Brian Jonestown Massacre, And yes. someone tweeted at uh, David Crosby, give him a listen. What do you think? He says... Terrible name. And then he listened. He says, uh, what was it? Uh, they suck. And they got nothing. <laughs> they got nothing. <laughs> That's David Crosby. Nothing's funnier or... I am actually going to say funnier than an angry hippie. The hippies kind of lost. Oh, and yeah, they're they just kind of like slowly becoming the people that they hated. <laughs> they became the people they hated long ago. It's the angry hippies that are yes. angry at the ones who became the people that they hated because, oh, why didn't you just hold on? Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we got a bunch of stuff to get to today. So uh, Donald Trump might be the president to broker a deal to denuclearize North Korea. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, uh, we'll get into it. We'll see. Uh, you know, we don't know. We don't have that much information quite yet. Uh, but the fact that this seems to be going forward at all is quite remarkable. It hasn't yeah. been done. Um, obviously before and certainly not with Kim Jong-un. Donald Trump would be the first world leader that Kim Jong-un will meet. So it's going to be strange when he meets an actual world leader. Uh, when he's like, so we do, you don't want to be in the playpen? The last time I had the president of the United States, we were in the playpen. Um, I'm making a joke. Uh, and, uh, so we'll get into that. A little bit. Also, Florida actually passed a gun bill. There you go. Uh, it's a compromise. There are some good things in it, some things I don't particularly care for. Uh, Governor Rick Scott did sign it. He's looking to run for Senate against Nelson here in the very near future. We'll see. 
if the NRA cuts some of his money. Who knows? Because he definitely, uh, there was a couple of provisions in that bill that the NRA did not approve of. Also, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Women's March. They're in some hot water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tamika Mallory, she was seen at a, uh, at a rally or a speech being given by Louis Farrakhan, and she refuses to denounce him. And I, I you know, politics make strange bedfellows, but I, I got to say, Louis Farrakhan, David Duke, these kinds of people, you should easily be able to say that you don't agree with them and you shouldn't want their support. You can dump them. You can dump them. <laughs> Hit the dump button. Anyone who works in radio, dump button. <laughs> Louis Farrakhan, for those that don't know, of course, it's the nation of, uh, of Islam leader. He and David Duke get along on a lot of things, mm-hmm. mainly total anti-Semitism and homophobia. Farrakhan has said such crazy things as if uh, as uh, the Jews are creating strains of marijuana to turn black men gay. No, that's not coming out of the mouth of Alex Jones, although I'm sure that he and Louis Farrakhan could be like, I, I see the documents, Louis. I, I do have to agree with you on that regarding marijuana. Uh, Jeff Sessions should just come here in prison. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't really have too much more to say on it. It's just it, it saddens me to see people allowing or putting blinders on uh, because this person might align with them so, might align with them politically in some way uh, it really doesn't matter you have to if you want to if you want to judge Donald Trump's bigotry or Jeff Sessions predatory policing practices on people of color uh, if you want to go into the white nationalism uh, and uh, and deride the uh, the alt-right movement then you've got to have a moral ground of your own and Louis Farrakhan I think makes massive cracks in that foundation and it's going to be more difficult for them to get the message out of unity, peace, uh, you know, uh, intersectionalism, if they're aligning themselves with this guy who is, for our whole lives, uh, we've known this guy was on the fringe of political ideology and certainly someone who uh, just has spread a lot, specifically uh, anti-Semitism and homophobia. Those are two of his very divisive issues, and, um, and we see his practices, his words, matter to a lot of people. And I understand, you know, Keith Ellison was uh, evidently a member. Uh, At one point, he since um, disavowed the the institution or the Nation of Islam. Uh, But, you know, politics, they do, I understand, they create strange bedfellows. And there always are those people who are going to be drawn to people like Farrakhan, like David Duke or whatever. And uh, it's weird because politicians have to pretend like they are not courting those votes, mm-hmm. but they're courting those votes. Yep. And this is sort of the left's version of what we see happening when it comes to the dog whistle plays on both sides. Yep. So that's I, I just I want to just point that out. I don't want to get too much in uh, to the weeds on that subject, but denounce 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 people who just throw it out there that say marijuana is making people gay and it's being created by uh jewish people i mean if it's a hateful crazy person just denounce it denounce it's pretty easy to tell the difference between uh a regular person and a hateful crazy person and you know farrakhan definitely lands in crazy and hateful but what are his thoughts on milk cartons you know if i find (laughs) out he hates them well maybe we have a friendship uh blooming there also we have a big election coming up here tomorrow this tuesday the 18th congressional district in pennsylvania connor lamb Mm. sounds like a boxer doesn't he yeah connor lamb he's going against this guy rick saccone very Republican district. Mm. The, uh, I just read an article. Uh, the Pennsylvania a GOP member of uh, Pennsylvania said, and, "You know, it's a Democratic district. It's it's a bit of a blue. It has not." <laughs> Donald tr- Trump won it by twenty points. <laughs> he won it by twenty points. Tim Murphy, he's the previous uh, uh, owner of the congressional seat. Very Republican. Yeah. Won it handily every single election. Other than the elections, he wasn't opposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, he won by 18 points on average. I mean, it's a very uh, red district. So if Connor Lamb is able to pull off an upset here, I saw Rick Saccone, Donald Trump was speaking on his behalf in Pennsylvania this past weekend, and Donald Trump, he's constantly pulling out the greatest hits. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, no, he's got some new ones. He's got it? some new bits. His his new bit about like uh, impersonating what a president should be. That's a that's a new bit. That's but what if he actually does become a good president because he impersonated one so much <laughs> that he's like, I'm gonna, I can't break out character. I can't break the character now. <laughs> Maybe that's an approach to doing it. It might be. 
Rick Saccone spoke at this event in Pennsylvania, and the guy does not ooze charisma, yeah. although he does look like he's oozing, <laughs> which is interesting. So, and Connor Lamb, again, I don't trust these polls very much anymore. We've learned a lesson the hard way uh, the past year because I was told Gary Johnson was going to get 5%, <laughs> and he only got 3 which was still quite good for Gary Johnson. He's resurfacing, by the way. I just He just gave an interview with Reason, my friend Nick Gillespie, and, uh, and Nick Gillespie asked him about the Aleppo gaffe, and Gary Johnson said, well, I made a gaffe. <laughs> and and I made I I didn't have anyone to defend me. I made a gaff. And huh. Nicholas was like, "Do you mean gaff?" He's like, "Gaff." <laughs> I made, so he literally gaffed the word gaff by calling it gaff. But that's our Gare Bear. He's a sweet, sweet man. Uh, so who knows what happens in Pennsylvania? But the polling data, if we have to, if we have to go on anything, and that's really all we got here in the social sciences, do tend to skew in Connor Lamb's favor. Yeah. Oh, very much so. I mean, and it's not any, and, and he's, it's outside the margin of error here that uh, Connor Lamb is uh, in the lead, but it also depends on Democratic turnout. It yes. all depends on turnout. If there's no turnout, then there's no Connor Lamb. And, you know, as we saw with Obama, when Obama was on the ticket, people were at the polls. Mm -hmm. He was able to uh, really drive a lot of those numbers up. But in off year elections, he didn't really do that well. His candidates didn't do that well. Obviously, the Democrats lost about 1,000 seats across the country. I don't know if people really understand how effed they are right now. Yeah. They need, you know, they're picking up a couple of seats here or there. They got one out of four um, in an in election. What was it last week or the two weeks ago? They are so far behind. It's going to take a lot of these situations like we're going to see tomorrow. Possibly, if Connor Lamb wins, it's going to take a lot more Connor Lamb-type situations. And uh, again, this is more proof that candidates matter. Connor Lamb, no fringe leftist. Mm. Uh, he's a former uh, Army veteran. He's 32 years old. Very moderate. Very, very moderate. Yes. And I think... That's what the um, Democrats, those are the candidates that are going to have to run in districts like Pennsylvania's 18th, uh, where obviously if you're going to go too far to the left, you don't have a chance in hell. Well, you saw it with Dougie Jones. Of course, Doug Jones. Yeah, Doug Jones. Which I is heard he was a socialist, by the way. <laughs> Whatever. I thought I was electing a socialist in Alabama. <laughs> Such yeah. nonsense. Yeah, the old Doug Jones, that's kind of been uh, forgotten a little bit now. Uh, but it's the same sort of thing, where they, well, they have to run people like that. This would be uh, another strike against Donald Trump if Saccone doesn't win. Of course, he supported uh, in Alabama Luther Strange. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that didn't work out, and then he went on and... Full-throated endorsement of Roy Moore. <laughs> Genius political move, and obviously that didn't work out. So this might be another situation where we see um, how much uh, capital, uh, how much charisma capital does Donald Trump have to spend on others other than just himself, who, by the way, he is definitely running for a re-election in 2020. To what is it? What's the slogan? Continuing to make America great again, or is something that like seriously no, that? No, it is something like that. Keep America great. I think it's keep America great because wow, he's so made he, it great. So he made it great in what, like a, a year? But then we're going to keep it that way. So I don't know. <laughs> so you don't even have to necessarily get a new hat. You can just kind of rearrange the, the, the letters a little bit. All right, that's good. Yeah, not bad. Saving money. <laughs> so we'll see uh, what happens in Pennsylvania. If Donald Trump isn't um, able to get this Rick Saccone guy over the finish line, Perhaps that's more of a further indication that this so-called blue wave will be happening in November. Well, even but the, we're still just going to have to wait and see. Even the fact that it's this close oh, tells sure. you quite a bit. Well, and they interviewed some people who voted for Donald Trump who are now voting for Connor Lamb. I think, as we've said before, candidates matter. Mm -hmm. And people are paying very close attention in more, it seems like people are paying more attention in these smaller races. At least maybe it's just because we're getting older and we're paying more attention. But I feel like the spotlight is on these elections that were sort of previously kind of considered throwaway elections because they tended to be Republican or Democrat. And very rarely did that change, so they weren't really covered. Oh, no, we definitely wouldn't be covering the Pennsylvania 18th District Special Election if it's we weren't the polka. <laughs> it's gonna be a polka party. Oh yeah, man. If we weren't in the political climate that we're in now, we wouldn't be talking about Pennsylvania's eighteenth. No, yeah, I think that you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. So we'll let you know what happens there on next week's uh episode and uh, who knows. Uh also we have to talk a little bit here about Stormy Daniels. Mm -hmm. This uh it's a sex scandal steaming up the White House. 
Melania, poor Melania. I love Melania. Leave Melania alone. I'll channel my inner Chris Crocker on that. (laughs) She's going to divorce his ass. Yeah, I hope so. My prediction is Donald Trump is the first president to be divorced in office. Melania, like Fran Drescher in The Nanny, (laughs) just grabs her stuff, two suitcases, walks out the front door, and goes and finds herself a man who can treat her right and kind of force her to be the nanny, (laughs) Uh, which was a strange component to that show that the, uh, I don't know if it really holds up in in the spotlight of of current uh, uh, normal uh, relations. But so uh, Melania, she's having a very tough time. She is. Basically, this guy, Michael Cohen, he's a Donald Trump attorney. He says that he paid 130K to Stormy Daniels to keep this affair quiet. Uh, he was the one who ended up talking about uh, the affair, which is why Stormy Daniels technically didn't breach the uh, non-disclosure agreement in this um, in uh, that was attached to this payout. So she's now pressing charges or filing suit so that she can have that taken away, the non-disclosure agreement. She's also said she'll give back the 130000 bucks. Just let her tell her story, and hopefully she can make some money, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, absolutely not. She deserved I also love the fact that Stormy Daniels had sex with a president or a future president of the United States and was like, can you not mention this to anyone? I'm just really worried, Mr. Trump, that this is going to ruin my reputation as an adult entertainer. Oh, but did you see uh, what Donald Trump's alias is? What was it? Denison? David Denison. Just brilliant. You know, it's just, it's just the brilliance. It's like two first names, but then if it had a kid. It's so crazy. So the, the only thing that I actually, I, I personally have been a little bit aggravated Specifically, without CNN has covered this mm-hmm. stormy, it's all porn star, porn star, porn star. Uh, you know, showing pictures of Stormy Daniels scantily clad and all this kind of stuff, which I, I have no problem with it. But the way that they cover it, I do think they've sort of been dehumanizing to sex work in general. Yeah, and the fact that she is an adult entertainer or porn star, whatever, who cares? Yeah, um, and uh, I feel like they're. Uh, maligning her in, in ways that I that I don't think is fair. She didn't do anything wrong. They're turning the sleaze up to eleven. I right. mean, they're trying to make this woman slimy. Right, uh, and, and she's and, not. And, yeah, she's not. Uh, she's absolutely not. And that's that's what they're trying to do. Is right. that she's trying. They're trying to make this as salacious and as slimy right. as possible. Exactly. Yeah, just to, just to make uh, Trump look bad. Right. You know? and, and it's and you don't need to sacrifice Stormy Daniels. To make Trump look bad. No, and uh, from all all accounts, she's doing well with the uh, with the newfound attention and everything like that. But I do think we have to be careful, specifically if you know everyone. Sex work is uh, it's just so we we have we have such a warped view of it in this country. Just if you look at our sex uh, laws, you know, oftentimes when it comes to um, people being arrested for you know sex work, it's always uh, the prostitute or the worker themselves, uh, the pimps, the people who are actually in charge. Often don't see any ramifications for their actions whatsoever. It's uh, you know just how we uh, have the conversation in this country. I think they're kind of. Uh, Adding to a little bit of the um, not controversial, hmm. not griminess. <laughs> I don't uh, know, maybe scapegoating of sex workers. Yeah, scapegoating. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's what that's the whole thing with the Stormy Daniel scandal. The only thing that has any kind of possible political or legal ramifications when it comes to campaign finance reform. There is a question of Michael Cohen with that $130,000. Is that an in-kind donation to Donald Trump's campaign? Uh, obviously, they did not you know, register that with the board, with the board of elections, with the finance boards. So that would be possibly something, uh, although it doesn't really look like that's going to go down that road because this did happen before the campaign. And that's kind of a gray area of campaign finance. Uh, and so that was the only thing that kind of people were suggesting possibly he could face some legal actions when it comes to campaign law violations. Uh, but we haven't seen that quite yet. So same, I, I don't think it'll work. This ain't your silver bullet, Democrats. Keep looking. Yep. It, it, yeah. Um, and leave Stormy alone. Yeah. And leave Melania alone. Please. That's what I say. Oh, I think she'll make some good money uh, giving some interviews and things like that. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if Melania Trump divorced him and just came right out and did a tell all? She would. She would. She's going to have to. <laughs> That's it. I love her. Yes. I mean, honestly, she is. I, I do feel unbelievably. Well, you know, 
you know what you're getting into. Uh, she didn't do anything wrong. She came to America, Melania Trump, to marry a billionaire, and she happened to find one. She kind of, find, kind one, of a billionaire. One of the worst ones. Yeah, she did get she did get involved with a particularly horrible man. And I think she hates every second of her life right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and, she uh, absolutely does. Now, yeah. apparently, sources say uh, that she did not know about the whole Stormy Daniels affair because it's weird. There's he didn't tell her at dinner, huh? <laughs> that wasn't something that he broached. The, the courageous uh, Donald Trump. Who broke up with um what with what was the Marla uh, Maples? Because he he broke up with her via newspaper. Whoa. Yes, he left the he left the daily news that says I'm I'm leaving. He left it on the bed when he went out for work and she came back and she saw it. Ugh. That's how he dumped Marla Maples. Jesus. So I'm Christ. sure that he didn't bring up the he didn't broach the Stormy Daniels subject. I'm sure not. But it, it's funny there's like there's the two leaks. Like there's people that are trying to leak the stories like, "Oh yeah, Melania knew. She was fine with it." Oh, and the I, other like every wife would be. <laughs> like every wife is always totally fine with, you know, your husband sleeping with another woman while yeah. you're at home recovering from from uh, your recent uh, labor. Oh, it's just the classiest time to cheat on your wife. It's just the classiest time to cheat. Yeah, they love it. But yes, apparently she did only found out in January and was quite furious. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my god. Yeah, there's not really a statute of limitations on something like that. No, she'll just be angry for the rest of her life, uh, and probably rightfully so. Yeah. All right, so let's move (laughs) on to something that matters a little bit more than, uh, than sex scandals. And again... You know, I, I don't. Even, I can't keep on harping on the coverage here. Leave Stormy alone. I know. That's all I'm going to say. And it's also, and, and you also got to remember that a lot of the people that are harping on, oh my God. on Donald Trump for this are the exact same people. It's like, what? Clinton just got a blowjob. It's fine. He just he just uh, treated a woman like a humidifier or humi- <laughs> what is it? A humidor? Humidor. Humidor. Yeah. Which, by the way, Monica, you got to follow her on Twitter. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I think. Uh, yeah. Abs- the hypocrisy amongst every side in this country right now is really, it's making your brain explode. Yeah, My short, brain's exploding. Short memories. Short memories, and again, just uh, throwing their uh, moral compass or moral code out the window mm-hmm. for their own political game because this person has a D next to their name or an R next to their name. Just as we mentioned that one woman, Mona. Uh, who was at CPAC, who mm-hmm. kind of chastised the Republicans a little bit yeah. uh, for doing for allowing the same behavior they uh, denounced in the 90s and vice versa. Yeah, and Donald Trump's a spiritual advisor. They're just, man, they're really harping on that one line. Well, we knew we weren't electing an altar boy. Not electing a pope. <laughs> no kidding. They just say like, yeah, of course. The way they ask him, like, is it a sin to have sexual relations with a porn star? And he's like, oh, of course it is. But we didn't elect an altar boy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. The hypocrisy there. And, you know, Trump is no different when it comes to, uh, you know, bedfellows uh, for uh, religious reasons. I mean, he began one of the main places he would uh, would speak at was Falwell University, which mm-hmm. is not a university. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't even know what school. I don't even know what these schools are anymore. Mm-mm. That's what I say. This episode of Top Hat is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code TOPHAT. Mac Weldon, some of the best underwear around if you are a person on the move. I'm not, but I still like the underwear. It's a wonderful product that I think you'll enjoy as well. So go to MacWeldon.com again, use the promo code TOPHAT, and get 20% off. It's better than whatever you're wearing right now because they care, and that's what matters the most. I want my underwear company to not just make me feel good physically but make me feel good emotionally macweldon.com check it out put top hat in the promo code and get 20% off it's a great gift for the guy in your life i'll tell you one thing if i ever had a girlfriend that bought me underwear i'd want it to be macweldon macweldon.com put the promo code top hat and get 20% off i'm going to that website right now oh my goodness well the models aren't too bad looking either all right everyone Back to the show. Anyway, let's get to Florida. Speaking of schools, so we had the Parkland tragedy. What was that, three weeks ago now? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of been out of the news cycle for a little while, but 17 kids lost their lives. And because they were so uh, outspoken, pissed off, and aggressive about actually seeing gun reform, they accomplished quite a bit here. I have to. We got to give the kids a lot of credit, and you know we we've, we've said this on this show for a long time. Get involved. Get involved when you're young. Get involved when you're old. 
get involved whenever you whenever whenever you can. Mm-hmm. And so we have to applaud these kids. They're intense. Yeah. I watched the the interview on Bill Maher. I like it. Those kids are I'm not messing with them. <laughs> you know, I'm horrified of teenagers to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and specifically ones with a political vendetta. Yeah. Oh uh, my god. I like it. So basically, this uh, this bill it has it has five main points. Uh, the one that I really agree with that we spoke about on this show is raging, raising the age from eighteen to twenty one to buy assault rifles, and also instituting a three day waiting period, which I think is totally uh, valid. And you know, the waiting period to me, I don't think it's being stressed enough as. That's very significant. I mean, that's going going to deter emotional response violence. You know, if if you are in an abusive relationship or whatever it might be, you know, maybe you just broke up with someone who was an abuser. They go to they go to Walmart, they buy a gun, and then you know, uh, God knows what could happen. So I think the three day waiting period is awesome. Mm-hmm. Eighteen to twenty one. The NRA is uh, filing a lawsuit against that because now technically eighteen year olds don't have a Second Amendment right. Because they can't get handguns either. Well, but it's just... There's no age limit in the Constitution. Exactly. Like, we have limits to so much. We yeah. Have, we, you know, we have uh, seatbelts. Uh, you know, that, has, that hasn't made cars illegal. Mm-hmm. Does uh, that mean it, that the, the, the freedom, of sp- is freedom of speech only applies to those that are 18 and up? I mean, what are the... Right. I, I don't get it. I, but that's the NRA, that's the NRA, that was the NRA's line when it came to, well, we have to give them assault rifles because we don't give them guns. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so there's 18 to 21. So now it's 21 years old to buy an assault rifle uh, in the state of Florida. Three-day waiting period. Also, they've banned bump stocks, which is something that Donald Trump has kept his promise on. One of the few... Pieces of gun legislation that he has kept his promises on, because as mentioned uh, as mentioned by Marcus in the last episode, the NRA got a hold of him mm-hmm. and they grabbed him like Homer Simpson grabs Bart by the <laughs> neck and just shook him around. And then, unlike Bart Simpson, though Donald Trump uh, came to his wits mm-hmm. and decided to follow uh, the NRA, which are kind of the they are kind of the Homer Simpson of political organizations. Mm-hmm. Just about yeah. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders is coming out and saying yeah. that you know what we're just getting we, we we're getting the things done. Get them done now that we can now, and the other things we'll do later. But we want to get these things done now instead of waiting until we can do all of them. We're going to do some of now, right. and then the others we'll get to those later. And you do wonder with the midterms coming up, it's uh, politics, election cycles, and I know we have so freaking many. Uh, but they always taint things. Yeah. And that was the main concern with Governor Rick Scott. As I mentioned before, he wants to run for Senate against Nelson. He's going to need the NRA's support. The NRA is not happy with uh, with the age being 21 uh, now. So we'll see if that has a negative effect on his money. If it doesn't, maybe it's a good precedent going forward for other politicians to get a backbone on rational gun policy. This is nothing crazy that we're saying here. So it's just the NRA pouring money into the other guy's coffers? I don't think they're going to be supporting Nelson. But maybe he gets primaried or something like that. Perhaps the NRA chooses somebody else in Florida that they really want to have that seat now and makes his life a heck of a lot more difficult, which is why I was hesitant to be... um, optimistic about him signing this bill but he did so okay so we got 18 to 21 three-day waiting period ban on bump stocks here's where it gets a little bit more controversial in my opinion although this is a good bill of compromise Mm -hmm. i just don't happen to love this next component 67 million bucks being allocated to volunteers um to um people who want to be in charge of protecting the schools they're going to be armed and then of course along with that uh Teachers who have a history of gun use, who maybe they have military experience, perhaps a law enforcement experience, who knows, or have been trained in firearms, will be allowed to carry weapons in schools. I, I just feel like more guns equals more opportunity for gun violence, and I'm also concerned that we're getting kids used to the idea of just being surrounded by people with AR-15s and guns, mm-hmm. and get used to this idea of being a being basically a prisoner who's done nothing wrong, just trying to go get an education. Institutions having guns, like being yeah. a, because you know I grew up around guns, right? Uh, like no, in a, I know, but yeah. in a family environment, like it's I know it sounds weird to say like no, but my guns were they were family friendly guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know I did grow up around guns, but still even guns still make me nervous to this day. Well, you know, and that was just in a like just a regular setting. Right. You know, like just like yeah, everybody has guns, but I couldn't imagine. Going to school and seeing, uh, you know, Coach Arnold packing a pistol 
Right. Well, that's kind of the thing. And uh, I was speaking with Scotty Nell Hughes on Russian television last week, and she was mentioning how she dropped her kid off at, uh, I think it was middle school, and there was armed guards outside of the middle school. And I understand we live in a in a time where everyone is their own regulated militia, mm-hmm. and we seem to have the, uh, you know, it seems like the opportunity for a mass amounts of uh, casualties, mass violence, it's easier than ever before. Mm-hmm. And so I get that, but at the same time, I don't want to see our society totally overreact and just go into a place where every every place we go has to be heavily armed as if, um, you know, as if uh, it's guaranteed to be the next target for some random attack. I mean, really, the statistics, odds are you're going to be, going to be totally fine. Yeah. Um, so that's the other two components to the Florida bill that I, that I, I don't know. I'm just conflicted on it. I hate the idea of teachers being armed, and I just feel like we're – costing a lot of um we're we're harming education that's what i'm when we need education so bad education reform i know gun reform is talked about and a series of other uh tax reform all these other reforms education reform needs to be uh more on the forefront of our national conversation and it just never no one ever seems to care no I, i thought we had gone past like the survival point of America, like where we're all just trying to stay alive. No, nope. like you'd think that would have happened. That would have ended a century ago. Right. Uh, but somehow we've come right back around to like, the, OK, so we have to first let's make sure all of our kids survive and then right. we'll worry about making the schools actually uh, functional. Uh, I yep. didn't think we'd be at this point. Well, it, we, yeah, we've definitely regressed in some ways, right? We've regressed I mean, back in, a lot in the of day, ways. it used to be hiding behind your or hiding under your desk because the Russians were going to nuke us, and now it's hiding in a closet because your classmate's going to shoot you. Very bizarre. The uh, AR-15, by the way, stands for Armalite mm-hmm. 15, which I think we should just go with that because it sounds like a bad spread. <laughs> Like something like Armalite, spread it on wet toast because you don't have teeth. Yeah. It's like, oh, I like my Armalite because it slides down my throat. Just... Put a whole bunch of Vaseline on yeah, that Armalite. exactly. Armalite. AR-15 sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, kind of fun, dare Arm- I say. Armalite 15. Give me my Armalite, please. It sounds like something you have to rub on sore bones. So you're arthritic. Um, so, yes. So that law passed. Going on the national level, what's going on in the White House? Uh, Donald Trump is completely reneged, completely backtracked on the idea of raising the age to 21. Bump stocks seem to still be uh, in the conversation as far as banning bump stocks. And he has, of course, pressed extremely hard for the arming of teachers. But Marcus, you mentioned that you had read an article about how some of the schools that are armed they, there hasn't been a situation of gun violence. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's so. plenty of schools in Ohio uh, and in Texas, you know, that have uh, armed teachers. They right. have, there are guns in the school, but you know, but that's the thing is that once you put that on a national level, then there's going to be a lot more opportunity for things to screw up. Yeah, so that's where we're at. At least I, we got to give some credit there to uh, the state of Florida. Florida being significant. I mean, if Florida. Uh, you know, I know we judging from our Casey Anthony series, uh, there's some wild stuff that happens in Florida. Oh, we yeah. know that because of the sunshine law, Mark, Marcus informed us the reason we got all the crazy stories from Florida is because they let us hear them. Yeah. Can you imagine if Wisconsin had a sunshine law? Oh, man. It'd be fun. <laughs> Make me homesick. Um, but that is a very significant state. Obviously, when it comes to general elections, that state, everyone's talking Florida all the time. They're talking Florida because, of course, the Electoral College uh, votes that uh, that they are allocated to give. So it, the fact that they were able to be the state that does it, not just some, not a, not a, a California blue state, mm-hmm. but a purple, basically red state in Florida, usually red. Yeah. Um, the fact that they passed uh, any legislation that some people in the NRA are upset about is is uh, significant. Yeah. All right. Also, just finally here, going on when it comes to uh, the meeting in North Korea, Moon Jae-in, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I'm sure I'm doing it wrong. Moon Jae-in. Moon Jae-in. Uh, he is the <laughs> South Korean president. Uh, he has been really uh, unbelievable when it comes to organizing uh, first of all, the North Koreans coming to um, uh, going to the Olympics, you know, in South Korea. He also had a lot to do with that when it comes to China and uh, and the nuclear testing over there in North Korea. So he's kind of an unsung hero here. They have to meet with Kim Jong Un first, 
And after they meet with him, then uh, Donald Trump uh, will be able to go and meet with Kim Jong-un. The concern is, uh, will Donald Trump do his homework? Yeah. You know, speaking of education, speaking of schoolwork, he's got a lot to do. They have to have a very rigid, principled, um, and concrete uh, desire or uh, end goal when talking to Kim Jong-un. If he goes in there and tries to wing it, uh, I don't think Kim Jong-un is some amazing negotiator. Again, this is going to be the first foreign leader other than uh, the South Korean president in Donald Trump. But at the same time, we have to have a clear vision, a clear path, and a um, uh, we have to let them know exactly what our demands are. And hopefully that demand is denuclearization alt- altogether. That needs to be at least where we start. But this, it, it, I am a little bit concerned sending, uh, you know, drunk uncle over there because <laughs> I just don't know what's he going to do. Is he going to, uh, you know, is he going to fall in love with Kim Jong-un and the pomp and circumstance that certainly will be surrounding? It's going to be a Rodman? It's going to be a Dennis Rodman yeah, situation. Yeah, let's remember that, that that's, the, that's the last diplomat we had in North Korea was Dennis Rodman. It'll be, honestly... Kim Jong-un is just meeting with all the reality stars, isn't he? <laughs> Starting yeah, with Robin to Donald Trump. Next, uh, maybe maybe the, the Kardashian over there. Yeah, you definitely put Dennis Rodman and Donald Trump in the same box. Yeah. About five years ago, you absolutely would have put Dennis Rodman and Donald Trump in the same box. Easily. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe maybe this will work. I don't know. Maybe, well, who knows? maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to send over a complete and total moron to talk to this well, guy. I, well, let's he is the president of the United States and he was acting like one when he was said I'm this is how <laughs> president said. Remember that? He said, "Oh, this is how my president." No, yeah. We have to I I am I on its face, this, this sounds really good. I really, I mean, let's. So I want to be positive about it. I want to be you positive know, about it too. But it reminds me of when Nixon met uh, with the Chinese leader. I don't know what it is. That was with carefully orchestrated. Well, it was. No, it was. I understand. <laughs> that was I know. A, yeah, that was they like had, a genius dip. It wasn't just Richard Nixon barging into the room oh, and I saying, know. "Oh, I'm going. I'm going to China. Where's your falafels? <laughs> I went. I went over, yeah. over. Was over in the Middle East and I fell in love with falafels. I mean, what are the reasons why? you know presidents haven't met with uh north korean leaders in the past is because it gives the north koreans legitimacy it gives them some credibility it gives them a lot of credibility you know it gives them a huge amount of legitimacy and you know i guess maybe he's just trying the one thing that nobody else has tried you know maybe it is crazy like a fox here i don't know i i mean i'm forced to be optimistic about this well you know we're all forced to be optimistic about this we can't hope that it all falls apart october (laughs) of last year there was uh, i mean a real concern that we were going to have a nuclear war uh a nuke war with north korea i mean let's not forget the white yeah do you think donald trump is going to apologize for calling him fat no, I think that that might be funny to them. <laughs> I don't know. I sure I was thinking about that, and, and I do want to point out. Remember that Hawaii? Uh, yeah. in Hawaii, the fake myth. I mean, people were really on edge. So, at the very least, I do think this is sort of like let a little air out, uh, yeah. and people are, are breathing a slight sigh of relief um, because it was it was tense. It yeah. was the most tense that I I, re- I can recall um, with North Korea. When it comes to that, I. I was thinking, you know, with Donald Trump's unbelievable plain English, which I'm a plain English guy myself, but maybe it translates. Like, maybe Kim Jong-un was like, he got Rocket Man. Because, I mean, he sent back, <laughs> do you remember, he well, sent yeah, back another him- Elton John lyric. Oh, that's right. They have, like, so a madman over, wa- uh, right. mad over the water. Which was yeah. actually a very interesting And exchange. it was like a super deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I don't know how Donald Trump translates over there. Do they... Because for us, we're like, that's not a normal way for a president to act. Yeah. His linguistical skills are like very base, uh, emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe he doesn't recognize or realize how kind of outside of the norm Donald Trump is by U.S. standards. I don't know. I don't I'm just, know. And also, I, I his grasp no of the English is a little old timey. Like, remember when he called him a dotard? Yeah. <laughs> of course I remember that, Marcus. I say the word dotard four times a day now. Usually when I'm looking in the mirror. Uh, but who knows? Yeah. May- maybe it works out. But one of my concerns that I was having uh, as well with H.R. McMasters, with John Kelly, uh, Mattis, uh, a lot of the people who are going to be needed in these developments in in crafting uh, this conversation and in, uh, in crafting these negotiations, I don't think they're very happy in this White House. No. Maybe this gives them something to work on for the next couple of months, and uh, they can stay there and, and hopefully uh, create something that can lead to a great end. 
Or do they just, you know, put all this stuff together, have all the PowerPoint presentations they can think of, have the greatest script ever for Donald Trump, and he just throws it all away? Mm-hmm. It's very, very possible as well. It's, it's been done before. Yeah, it has been. So, yes, I understand all the hesitation and the reservations of Donald Trump meeting yeah. in one of the most significant uh, meetings of a foreign leader in our lifetime. Um, but at the very least, uh, but I want to maintain but some I, optimism because we don't, I don't have, there's nothing else to do. And I also don't, I am very skeptical as to whether it actually happens or not. We'll see. You know, because the, the North Koreans are, are not, uh, it, it's, it seems like everybody on this is like, they just kind of taken the North Koreans word for it. Uh, but the North well, Koreans are not big on keeping promises. They'll, they shoot you if you leave <laughs> and they do, they have said that they will. Yeah. 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 They are good, big on that. Keeping that yes. promise. Generational but, yeah. imprisonment, but internet, like diplomatically, the North Koreans are not great about. They're not great well, about keeping just, promises. We, and they, and they, they kind of, they, they turn on their own clock. There, we don't have a precedent for this, though, right? Because no. uh, Kim Jong Un, I, I know he has not said that he wants to meet with any world leaders before. Kim Jong Il, I don't believe did either. Uh, so I, I don't think we have any history of them saying they wanted to meet with a foreign leader, not to my knowledge anyway, and then reneging on it or taking that off and pulling the rug out, yeah. you but, know, from underneath them. So at least they said that they want to. I yeah. But uh, in many other in, in many other instances, the North Koreans have said one thing and then done another. Yes. Quite a bit. And what leaders would do that? <laughs> um, all right. So I think that's basically the news of the week. It was a lot this week. It was. A lot of stuff to follow. It's a lot every week. We say that every week. Mm-hmm. Remember Remember during the Obama years when sometimes- uh, He you wore know, a brown suit or a tan <laughs> suit. Honestly- no, I remember I'd have to like look for news. That's how we fell in love with like Thaddeus McCotter. Oh, I love and, Thaddeus. And how we uh, you know, used to talk. Remember how much we used to talk about Louis Gohmert? Gomert. <laughs> we used to talk about yellow Louis Gomert all the time. Literally, we looks like, just like about, Yellow Bastard from do, Sin City. He does. He looks just like the Yellow Bastard. But yeah, we haven't talked about Gomert in forever. Well, we used to have to search for news. Part, partly an indictment on the media not really covering Obama as much as they cover Trump. But at the same time, Donald Trump is uh, a lot more entertaining to cover. And he definitely, via Twitter... Which honestly, I was thinking about that. You know, gives us a lot of content. Mm-hmm. I was thinking he has like ruined the platform of Twitter. Yeah, and yeah, I don't no, know. He what ruined to, it completely. Yeah, I don't know <clears throat> exactly what to do with Twitter at this point because I like to stay on. I love find me at Ben Kissel. I like <laughs> the interaction between us and our listeners. Yeah, but I hate their freaking their their news feed. I'm using air quotes when I say news because they'll push stories that are just horrible that have like one like eight mm-hmm. likes and they're like the hottest news of the day it's like this is not a this is not an accurate depiction of reality no. it's so bleak it's so negative i'm uh, yeah twitter's that that news button that they chose to incorporate ruined it as well yeah so yeah i, I can't i get some information out of there but at the same time not mm. not uh, I'm, i might just get a uh, i might go back to the magazines yeah and the papers hey man uh what i do is i've got uh like 10 news sites bookmarked and i go through every morning and i just go one by one by one by one mm. uh kind of try to and i try to alternate it as like liberal site conservative site liberal site conservative site right and it gives you a good uh idea of what's out there what different people are saying how they're reporting things right uh but well, checking one- cnn and fox news back to back is really really fun though it's amazing they're both so hysterical same story completely different headlines yep and but also just a pulling their hair out skies falling I know. hysterical is all get out yeah uh, it's yeah cnn and, and fox news are both pretty pathetic these days chicken little situations happening all around and uh yeah but so just remember that their whole job is to sell you mar- is to market to you, sell you advertising and keep your eyes glued to those screens. And in order to do that, you got to have a bunch of bells and whistles mm-hmm. and a bunch. I mean, they just they say nothing for five hours, six hours a day and everything is breaking news. I think they found the Malaysian plane. <laughs> What was that three years ago already? Um, all right, everyone. I got some. I read some listener emails, so stick around and listen to that. I got some emails about James Fields. We talk more about the Florida shooting, and uh, and a whole bunch. So thank you all so much for emailing. Email here at the Last Podcast Network at gmail.com. That's the Last Podcast Network at gmail.com, and I will read uh, some more emails coming up in the near future. So enjoy those. 
And uh, is that about it, Marcus? That's it. All right. Hail yourselves, everyone. Find Marcus Parks on social media, although he's not using it, so don't even bother. And sometimes I tweet out, hey, listen to me on this thing. Okay. <laughs> there it is. I'm on Twitter at Ben it. Kissel. Instagram, Ben Kissel. One. Enjoy these emails. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel here with you. I'm going to read some listener emails. Uh, so please feel free to submit the last at the last podcast network at gmail.com. That's the last podcast network at gmail.com. Shoot me an email and I'll read it on these special episodes. So this one starts off. This is from Caitlin. Uh, she writes, hi, Ben. Hello, Caitlin. She says, I love uh, love Ablegan's Top Hat and wanted to send a quick note about the episode Words, Words, Words. She goes on to write, the piece of Obama gun legis- control legislation that you mentioned was even more limited than you indicated. This is in reference to uh, mental health and, uh, and things like that. The law only prevented a person from buying a gun if they were so mentally disabled that they were unable to work and received government disability benefits, and they were so mentally disabled that someone else was appointed to handle the money they received from those benefits. Essentially, it only prevented the most mentally ill people in the entire country from buying guns, and that eminently reasonable, reasonable piece of legislation was booted by the Republicans. They're currently working to overturn the military version of the same law. She goes on to write, I think this is bonkers, and I thought you would too. Thanks for the podcast, and of course, for last podcast on the left. Sincerely, Caitlin. Thank you so much for that, Caitlin. You know, any any step in the right direction is a step worth taking. So I understand that bill perhaps didn't have wide enough reach uh, for the um, for a lot of folks. But at the same time, it is so unbelievably difficult to pass any gun legislation in this country. The fact that they were able to put that forward uh, was, again, at least a small step in a rational direction. We did have some interesting news coming out of Florida. Now, we have to see if Governor Rick Scott is going to choose to sign this bill or not. It has passed uh, both the Senate and the uh, and the House in Florida. It's a little bit controversial. It's a compromise bill, that's for certain. Of course, Governor Rick Scott wants to run for Senate against Nelson coming up here in the very near future. So we'll see if he's going to either line item uh, this bill and just, uh, you know, erase the parts of it that he doesn't like. We'll get into that bill in a second. Or if you'll just take it as a whole and push it on through. He's got 15 days here to decide. But again, Governor Rick Scott is going to need the support of the NRA if he does want to run for Senate. And I believe he is running for Senate. Uh, he's going to need that cash. He is going to need their support. So basically what happened in this bill, they did raise the age from 18 to 21 years old when it comes to purchasing of weapons, which I think is, again, uh, positive. They did do away with bump stocks, which, of course, makes makes a uh, non-automatic weapon, basically, for all intents and purposes, an automatic weapon. Uh, they also wanted to push forward a mental health uh, plan that would, you know, it's interesting. The mental health stuff is a little bit tricky for me because, again, who decides who's crazy and who's not crazy? Uh, they have a program now in place in Florida where basically there's a hotline that you can call. You can be in contact with people and uh, you can warn them of your crazy neighbor or your crazy uncle or yourself, I suppose. So that be that is being uh, put in place and it's supposed to streamline uh, the information and try to get guns out of the hands of people that others uh, in the society deem to be too uh, mentally dis um, you know mental mentally um, disabled to, to handle them at this uh, you know whatever they're going through in life. But then we also have in the same bill 67 million bucks allocated for voluntary security guards to be uh, at schools. And also in this bill, they have pushed forward the legislation that I'm completely against when it comes to arming teachers. Uh, these teachers do have to have a background in weaponry, whether that be the military or police work or whatever it might be. I just st- I still believe, as I said on Russian television this week with Ed Schultz, more guns in schools is simply going to lead uh, to more gun violence. So this bill, there are some good things, the, uh, the bump stocks and the raising of the age. But then again, we also have a situation where $67 million bucks is going to be going in uh, to arm personnel around schools. Do we want to condition our children 
to be in a prison-like environment. That's my main concern with it. They're supposed to go there to learn, and I think it's going to be uh, an impediment to their learning if they're surrounded by armed guards as if, again, they've committed a crime and they are uh, not at an uh, uh, institution of education, but rather an institution of punishment. So we'll see what Governor Rick Scott does going forward. I wouldn't be surprised because the NRA is so opposed to raising the age from 18 to 21. I wouldn't be surprised if that uh, piece of this bill goes away. Or the bump stock, perhaps that uh, will go away. Of course, when it comes to the mental health issue, when it comes to expanding uh, background checks and things like that, there is vast support amongst the populist, uh, population for those. So I think that those are going to be relatively safe. But this is big legislation. This is some of the more proactive uh, gun legislation. Again, some good, some bad, but, but it is still the most proactive gun legislation we've seen in a very long time. And Florida uh, is a is a crucial state. Sometimes, uh, you know, where Florida goes, uh, the country goes to some degree, specifically when it comes to general elections, uh, when it comes to the presidency, obviously, Florida being a key state, you want to you want to win Florida. Uh, that is a key component for most uh, political strategists when it comes to figuring out how they are going to get uh, to, uh, to 270 when it comes to the Electoral College. So uh, some interesting news coming out of Florida, and I do think uh, there is some potential for compromise uh, going forward, and we'll just have to see if Governor Rick Scott signs that into law. All right, let's get to another email. Uh, this one comes in from a fellow I'll call Al. Um, he says, to Ben and Marcus, first off, thank you for doing Abe Lincoln's Top Ant. Well, thank you so much for listening. We love doing the show. It's one of the few sources I trust to help me make sense of the fire hose of nonsense that U.S. politics have become. Because of this and because your guys' ongoing coverage of the burgeoning mental health crisis in this country, I have some information you might find interesting. Ooh, I like that interesting information. He goes on to say, as you know, the GOP line on all the shootings of last year has been uh, has been the same, that shootings do not point to to a gun problem, but rather a mental health problem. If that's true, why then did the 2018 budget include unilateral cuts of 20 to 30 percent to all federal mental health services? I've included a link here to the HHS uh, budget in brief so that you can confirm this. For yourselves. Uh, he goes on to say, though I take issues with the current GOP position as a gross oversimplification, even if I were to act as if it were true, it's hard to see their current behavior as anything but disgustingly hypocritical. If the Republican Party sees mental health services as a solution to gun violence, why did they cut those services by almost a third? And it's not just financial cuts. For example, in my home state of Montana, Medicaid no longer covers mental health services not provided by a licensed provider, which doesn't sound so bad until you realize that people graduating in mental health fields, i.e. counselors, therapists, and social workers, do not graduate with licenses. We have to earn them after we graduate, a process that takes between one and two years. Overnight, the next uh, generation of mental health in my state became almost unhirable. Finally, on a little personal note, uh, like I said, I work or am trying to work in the mental health field. Unfortunately, Montana is a small state with a very small mental health infrastructure. And what I've heard, most of the Grain Belt and Bible Belt states have the same problem. We had problems before the current administration, and now it feels like we're under siege. As for me, I got my master's in 2014 and still haven't managed to get my license. That coupled with being stuck in this state for my family reasons has led to student debts of 100000 bucks. My goodness gracious. I'm probably screaming into the void here. I know you guys are busy, and in retrospect, I see how long this email has gotten. But if you can please get the word out, you touched, uh, you touched on how bad it was, maybe getting the word out on just how bad it will start to turn things around. All right, thank you so much, ALL. Hail yourself. And indeed, uh, that is a fascinating situation happening there. I mean, right now, 
continuing on with the gun conversation, it seems as if uh, the Trump White House and a lot of people in this country are kind of circling the target. You know, they're playing darts, but they're not looking at the bullseye. They're trying to hit the, you know, triple 15s or whatever it might be, specifically when it comes down to these accusations of video games being the catalyst for an immense amount of uh, school violence or just violence in general. It's an absolute misnomer. It's a total lie. Uh, There is absolutely no statistical data to show that video games uh, spur violence, cause violence. As a matter of fact, there is actual data that says it, uh, it decreases uh, levels of violence. If you look at the issue in uh, Japan, for example, they play more video games than we do here uh, per capita. And of course, they have much, much, much less gun violence. The issue with gun violence, or one of the key components to gun violence, is guns. And I think it's uh, it's a huge disservice to try to scapegoat other, uh, you know, businesses uh, or organizations or institutions or pastimes, quite frankly, when it comes to gun violence. Uh, So this whole conversation that's happening right now surrounding video games, which is something that Donald Trump brought up, is uh, totally, completely asinine. And again, another example of people blaming the arts, uh, blaming, uh, you know, the creative sector, for what is so obviously a problem with gun culture, uh, the way that we fetishize these weapons. You know, when I was growing up, I had to take hunter safety, and uh, it was a, you, they, they spoke about guns almost as if they were a, a deity of sorts. The amount of respect they had for the weapon, the amount of uh, intense um, ritual that surrounded uh, guns, Now it seems as if they want to have it uh, both ways, where they just fetishize the gun so much, but they refuse to acknowledge the amount of strength and the amount of power and the killing capabilities of these weapons. I actually think, ironically enough, uh, it's um, more disrespectful. Uh, to, uh, you know, as if you almost treat these firearms as if they're people. But it is more disrespectful to uh, gun owners and uh, gun culture in general to just flippantly say, oh, it's no big deal if you have an AR-15 without any training. If you want to respect guns and you want to respect uh, gun owners, then you have to respect the fact that these guns are killing machines and in the wrong hands, of course, those machines can be used for horrible, devastating reasons. So thank you so much for uh, discussing the budget. Again, 2018 budget includes unilateral cuts of 20 to 30% to all federal mental health services. Thank you, Al, for that uh, email. And again, you can email me at the last podcast network at gmail.com. All right, let's move on. This next email is about fentanyl. We mentioned this on our episode called Redacted when uh, Marcus read, uh, I believe it was the Democrat memo, the Democratic memo. Uh, A lot of things were redacted in that. All right, let's get to this. This is coming in from Alex uh, in regards to fentanyl. Of course, uh, this is most likely referring to the fact that Donald Trump uh, wants to increase the incarceration rates uh, for individuals who are found with two grams of fentanyl to five years imprisonment. Uh, Of course, right now at this point, 40 grams of fentanyl will lead to five years imprisonment. So he really wants to uh, increase... Uh, The incarceration rates, which, again, is the ultimate hypocrisy when it comes to people on the far right discussing the prison planet and all this nonsense. Laws like that are the reason we have the most amount of incarcerated people in the world, despite the fact that our brand is freedom. Okay, Alex writes, Hi, Ben. Hope uh, Hope you read this at some point. Well, you know what, Alex? I'm reading it now. Isn't that exciting? Uh, He goes on to say, I was just listening to the recent episode of Top Hat called Redacted. At one point in the episode, you brought up something that I've heard in a few of the podcasts I listened to recently. The underrated news uh, that uh, that the Trump administration wants to place someone who is caught with two grams of fentanyl in in jail for five years. I just wanted to give my perspective on this as a New York State paramedic who happens to be a liberal and a huge advocate of drug rehabilitation, but that shouldn't even matter. It's just the state of politics these days that I have to say that. 
Alex goes on to say, I'm a paramedic, and under my protocol, I can give fentanyl as a standing order drug, giving it at my own discretion before calling a doctor. Uh, the highest dose I can give a patient in severe pain is 100 micrograms, which for 90% of people is more than enough to ease the pain to a manageable level. 100 micrograms is, oh, this is a big number, 0.0001 grams. So 100 micrograms is 0.0001 grams. That means I'd have to treat thousands of people in severe pain in order to reach the 2-gram mark. Granted, what I give to my patients is pure from the drug manufacturer, but it's still an astounding amount. Interesting. I understand that two grams may seem like a tiny amount if you take that view with things like cannabis or even heroin. But the strength of fentanyl puts it in a whole new level. Someone who has two grams of fentanyl is probably selling it and doing so at large quantities. The average lethal dose of it as per the DEA is about two milligrams for most non-opioid dependent individuals. Thanks for the good show. I hope this sheds some light on the issue. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, interesting. I did not realize how powerful fentanyl was. I still, again, don't believe incarceration is the answer uh, when it comes to these issues, but that is a, a Fascinating perspective from a New York State paramedic. I can't even imagine uh, what you see on a daily basis, Alex. So thank you so much for sharing that. And that does shed uh, some new light on this situation. Two grams may seem like a tiny amount, and it is if you're thinking about marijuana and heroin. Uh, but when it comes to fentanyl, uh, evidently it is so unbelievably powerful uh, that it is quite a bit of the drug. All right. Thank you so much for that perspective, Alex. Really appreciate it. Hail yourself. All right. And lastly, I want to get to this email from someone who wants to remain anonymous. So I will call them anonymous. Uh, this is in regards to the Unite the Right rally, which was August 11th and 12th of last year. Of course, this was where this maniac James Fields uh, mowed down a crowd of people killing Heather Heyer. And I got an email, as a matter of fact, from one of the 19 people that was hospitalized. Uh, and, you know, and I understand uh, uh, they're discussing here about how we haven't really discussed it too much on the show. And I do think we should uh, continue to discuss this issue. So I'll just read a little bit from the email here. Uh they go on to say, to the point, it seems like subsequent Abel and Top Hat episodes have failed to mention anything regarding the case. Uh, this is in the James Fields case, including Fields' preliminary hearing and the resulting first-degree murder charge when previously he was charged with second-degree murder, along with a smattering of aggravated malicious wounding charges, although not the full number he could be charged with. Additionally, nothing was mentioned for the six-month anniversary or when the feds attempted to coerce victims into testifying in a federal grand jury when their medical records were already submitted. This is a clear attempt to terrorize protesters on the left in an environment totally without transparency and under threat of imprisonment. Uh, you go on to say, I know there is... Uh, only so much time for the podcast, but there has been a promise of continued coverage. I hope that promise is upheld when Fields faces federal charges or pleas to state and federal charges. Uh, well, thank you all. Uh, thank you so much for writing in. And absolutely, uh, the what happened in Charlottesville was a massive uh, blemish, to say the least, specifically on Donald Trump and his administration. I think that's when people really felt like, wow, uh, Donald Trump is actually aligning himself with the white nationalist movement, with the white separatist movement. Of course, it's very famous now. There's good people on both sides. I mean, this total and utter madness, uh, anyone against Nazis is better than said Nazis. So this was absolutely um, devastating when it comes to um, uh, realizing that we do have a country that is normalizing Nazi-like thinking, Nazi-like behavior, and obviously uh, this maniac James Fields who, you know, I'm just looking at a picture of the guy right now. I mean, he looks like, you know, if Richard Spencer uh, ate Jason Kessler, who was the guy who put on this entire Unite the Right event, 
Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely was a situation where the rock was overturned and we saw a lot of the bugs in the country. So we'll, we'll keep you updated as much as possible. Also, just keep on emailing me um, when it comes to um, following these events. I know that a lot of people are uh, extremely focused on those events and uh, are a little bit more mobilized when it comes to uh, knowing where these Unite the Right rallies are going to be taking place and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we see the violent clashes happening on a regular basis on uh, on campuses. You know, I always say violence is not the answer, but uh, you know, I had a chance to actually watch. I was on I was on Twitter as I'll do, and uh, Richard Spencer, uh, you know, the absolute d bag, uh, who's in charge of the alt right. He was speaking on Periscope, and it was absolutely fascinating. First of all. If you feel disheartened, he was talking to like eight people. There weren't enough folks, you know, to fill a Shoney's booth. So don't th this whole idea that there are, you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of white nationalists out there. I, I don't think it's true. If you actually look at the numbers or the crowds, um, they're relatively small. I mean, literally, Richard Spencer was talking to extended family, but it, it was fascinating hearing him des desperately attempt to get some of the Bernie Sanders supporters over. They want to do this kind of Venn diagram crossover between um, people who might have identified themselves as Bernie bros or whatever it might be. I hate the term Bernie bros. But uh, they're trying to grab those people who might be a little bit more susceptible to a socialist-style message, and that's what his plan is going forward for the alt-right. So I watched about 10 minutes of this man speak, uh, you know, it's not captivating. It's relatively mundane and stupid. But I thought that was an interesting component to what he sees as the future of of the, uh, you know, future of the movement. And again, I don't know. I mean, I think there are, you know, people on my 600-pound life that have more movement than this alt-right uh, phenomenon. Flash in the pan. It's a flash in the pan, and uh, it will be gone soon. But thank you so much uh, for writing that email. And again, uh, absolutely, uh, that Charlottesville incident, August 12th, I think they call it A11 and A12, um, was uh, was completely horrendous. And my God, was that a sad day for America when we have a sitting U.S. president um, identifying with neo-Nazis and white nationalists. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for the emails. Email me at thelastpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. That's thelastpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. I'll read your emails live right here on the show. And we're getting some sponsorships. So if you get a chance, go out there and uh, fill that survey out so we're not just reading ads for things that nobody wants because mm, that's not good. Um, all right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Thank you so much for listening. Love you. And we'll talk to you soon. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.